Simon, you were missed last weekend. Yeah, I was in London. You very, were in London. Very busy, visiting family, doing a bit of work, but it's good to be back, yeah. although it's crazier and even more Christmassy here. Do you know, actually, last Friday, it took me 25 to 30 minutes to get in to into do a broadcast. You sent me a text when I was at Gatwick telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh my God, the guests yeah. are downstairs. I've got to be late. i got to be late. But it was yeah. good. And uh, it's been a great week. I've, I have to admit, I do have my holiday meant hat on at the moment i'm getting into that christmas mode come monday actually i'll be i'll be starting to wind up yeah and i'll come i'll probably come back maybe the 7th to the 8th of january me too yeah 20th of december to about the 6th of january so next week is the festive season yeah the mad the mad week i've I've already i've already had i think about 15 mince pies (laughs) so that's my that's my addiction mince pies that's good that's That's good last year i put on a stone in mince pies make two this year (laughs) yeah easily done so tell me who have we got today two very distinguished gentlemen sitting across from me here we do we have two uh, real heavy hitters i think in their respective fields uh and talking to the uk first up we have uh, chris roebuck who is from the uk uh chris is faculty member of imi i might not get all these titles right you're visiting honorary visiting professor of transformational leadership at cas business school uh a global thought leader speak uh consultant uh your business is simply success solutions welcome Chris, good to, good to have you here. And uh, Barry O'Dowd is our second uh, guest. I know Barry well. We've done a little bit of work together the last couple of months, um, including launching the, the Global Nations Brand Index at Notre Dame, and, and Barry was instrumental in, in helping. Barry um, has a 40-year, a very distinguished career as a senior manager at IDA, um, and uh, you retired last year, and you're working with a number of high-growth companies and uh, in the whole area of, of, of business growth and development. So good to have you here as well, Barry. Good morning. Good afternoon, I should good say. Good afternoon. Yes. And it's just Joe and I it's as just, well. Yes, yes, <laughs> it is. It was 40 years. God, you don't look it. <laughs> Chris, I'm going to start with yourself. Um, we were speaking there at, at the break there, well, before we came on, and you were just gave me a rundown on all the companies you worked for, and even in the military as well. So you've had an interesting life. Would you? When's the book out? <laughs> there's, already, there's already been a book. Is there? Yeah, there's yeah. a book already. In fact, there's a couple of books. But, but yeah, the, the journey that I've been on is, is what inspires me now. And as we discussed earlier... It was starting off at university as an economist, effectively a financial person, figures-based, into accountancy, sadly decided that accountancy was not the greatest thing since sliced bread, into the British military, then out into SME world, working with SMEs, small publishing organisations, film companies, then an MBA, and then into the big, tough corporate world, um, first of all, London Underground on their privatisation, KPMG, HSBC Investment Bank, the slightly aggressive world of the investment bankers, UBS, Global Head of Leadership, and then another completely nuts move into the UK National Health Service, trying to help the clinicians. Uh, And that was just truly inspiring, just seeing the variety of people and, and the dedication that existed. Yeah. I, I believe, and as a business, business consultant, you know, wisdom comes with all the experience that we have and by all the different industries that we've worked in and yeah. all the people that we've met and all the different situations that we've encountered along our career helps us help other people. Mm. And that's really important and that's why I, I asked you that, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the question up on And it. also demystifying stuff. We were talking just before, before, we, before the show um, Chris about you know what does success mean for organizations and and you were very astutely saying that basically it's the same within organizations but we've kind of dressed it up as uh, you know as being something overly complicated with all sorts of theories but eff- effectively people are the same everywhere yeah the the, the 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 mistake that I made when I started my career oh I'm in this business it's completely different to this business um, after that journey it dawned on me that actually, the commonalities are greater than the differences. And what delivers success is not actually the organisation that you're working for, not necessarily the job that you're in. The f- what delivers success is that you and your colleagues are inspired. And that is about humanity, not about the job or the organisation. 
Yeah, it is. It's it is. It's about working as as you know a living organism. That's yeah. what a company is. Okay, you might have different cultural aspects if people are working from different mm-hmm. from different countries, but uh, you know the mind hasn't changed in thousands of years. We we just have different platforms to be able to deal with these things. Correct. Well, there's a beautiful there's a beautiful quote that that we spoke about earlier. Aristotle said. Pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. And I give that quote to senior business leaders and I say, hey, come on, this is an amazing thought about employee engagement. Who do you think said this? And they come up, oh, Steve Jobs, Richard Branson. I said, no, no, it was Aristotle two and a half thousand years ago. So if it was true then... What have we changed at all? Maybe no, not. Sure, I've asked companies. You know, I've read out their, the company's mission statements to large organisations, and they do. They've, they've asked us. They've said the same question. Who said that? <laughs> you did. <laughs> it's not quite two and a half thousand years, but you were at IBA for forty years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and, and so, what, what would? What, and you, I mean, you were doing some pretty, you know, high-profile stuff around emerging markets and high growth. What would be your abiding memories of the, those those years in terms of that organisation and what it's achieved for, for the Irish economy? Yeah, I suppose there was a couple of standout things along the way that really sort of um, had major impact in terms of the, the job of IDA when I was there, and um, things like Intel, for instance, coming to Ireland. I mean, they're here now thirty years. Yeah. But you guys are in the branding game. And back then, IDA uh, had a tremendous piece of branding that they did. I don't know whether you ever even saw it, but you had a little map of Ireland and you had Intel inside yeah. on the map of Ireland. Well, I remember yeah. when they came. And it was unbelievable impact in terms of because that that just went around the world as a brand that people suddenly uh, sat up and said, wow, Intel is inside Ireland. What's going on there? Mm. So that was the beginning of a whole new sort of uh, beginning, if you like, in terms of enterprise development here in Ireland. And they're still here with whatever, 13 billion uh, of investment since and four and a half thousand employees now. And uh, so that was momentous. Um, I think sort of some of the other ones that were certainly for me back in the um, for for a period of my career around about 2005, six, I headed up the pharma division in IDA. And at that time, um, you know, there was some real breakthroughs when we, we, we managed to get Ireland into biotech. And biotech at that stage was unheard of here. But today, uh, Ireland is the biggest uh, biotech center in Europe. And some of the names that came in back then, the likes of Amgen, Amgen and uh, Wyatt then, that's now Pfizer with their great facility out in Grange Castle. And there's been a plethora of them since in terms of biotech. And we're really on the world stage now as being one of the leading centers in the world for that. So that was a major breakthrough, I think, at that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think we're, we are biotech, but we're also now we're really starting to be recognized as the tech capital of Europe as well. So it's, you know, that one of the concerns that people say as well is what happened if all these left tomorrow and said, look, you, you can't be thinking that. Let's let's work on today. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you've got to yeah. ride the waves. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that certainly in my career in IDA and what I would have seen with my colleagues there is that, you know, that we're always out there in terms of um, being ahead of the curve, yeah. in terms of riding the waves. And um, and today you see it with some of the, the more recent investments that coming into Ireland. Again, it's into things like artificial intelligence, data analytics, these sort of spaces but it's it's really riding the waves. It's, it's incredible in terms of numbers. I was just doing a piece of work with Brand Finance the other day, a quote for the Financial Times, and this was from RTE, was that the inbound investment just from the States into Ireland is $58 billion. Uh, a year, which which equates to the economies of Bosnia and Lithuania, just investment from the states into Ireland. But, but if you look at you're talking about companies coming over, and we're talking about the multinationals, you know, it's less than one percent of American companies leave America and do work in Europe. Yeah, that's quite frightening, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you know, what's really interesting on that as well is the number of people from America that actually travel outside mm-hmm. of the US. The number of passports that are stamped outside the US is very few it's it's and it's it's like where what I, I laugh about is that when we think of a small SME in in Ireland we think of something that someone who's making probably a million turnover a small SME in in America is under 10 million That's yeah, right, and, yeah. and when speaking to companies in America they kind of go you know you're talking about you know they're in growing their business and they go 
I don't need to step outside my state. There's enough yeah. people yeah. in the state for me to to go looking for for more business as well. So yeah. yeah. So what what are you doing now, Barry? In terms of and what are you seeing yeah. in the market? Well, since I left, I left IDA in the middle of last year, and um, I, I just was, you know, very busy at the time I left. And you know, at that stage, I was typically doing six, eight trips to the states every year for years on end. So I sort of said. I can't stop that. I won't be probably around if I stop it. I'd heard of lots of people that had stopped it and sort of says, oh, hang up the boots and before you know it, they ended yeah, up with yeah, a heart yeah. attack yeah, or yeah, something. Exactly. It's, so, that's called a sudden shock. That's why we get <laughs> colds at Christmas because we suddenly stop. Yeah. Chris, yeah. I want to ask you, we, we just mentioned something there which flagged with me was artificial intelligence and you know it's all about community mm-hmm. and people working. Do you think that's going to have a major impact within organisations, uh, good or bad? Massively, it's going to have an impact. Now, the question is, do you rationalise it as we're going to have AI and the AI is going to have a negative impact on the people in the organisation or are we going to have AI that has a positive impact Mm. on people in our organisations? And that, to some degree, is down to how the organisation's leadership plays it. So you can envisage a situation where if you look at it on on the negative side, yep, we can get rid of all of these people by using AI. And there is significant uh, evidence that a reasonable number of jobs could go if AI is used to its full. But equally, you can look at it on the other side to say, well, yeah, but also there are lots of things in organisations that AI can deal with much more effectively than people can which then allows the people to be freed up to do things that only people can do. But I think also there's a a little bit of garbage spoken about AI. I spoke at a conference of NGOs in in Portugal. Um, You know, the comment, the title was AI and leadership, the suggestion that people would have AI leaders uh, or leaders would be improved by AI. And I just made two comments and, and I said, look, one... The simple fact is that you cannot have an AI leader because 90% of communication is nonverbal. Correct. So that's that out of the frame. We don't even know what we're going to be thinking. Humans don't know what we're going to think next. So how can you program it? Precisely. And and then the other one was, well, yes, okay, but if we give all our leaders this AI stuff, they'll be better. And I said, no. If you give your boss AI and your boss is an idiot... Your boss is still an idiot, it's just that they've got AI. Yeah, there's no empathy or emotion attached no. in them on it. So, yeah, can I have a holiday? No. Why? But, yeah. you know, someone passed away. I don't care. Just <laughs> go, go. But, but it's, yeah, it's, it is interesting because I remember with the banks over mm-hmm. the banks and the, you'd be standing up and you were queuing for the teller and they were setting up the machines and you say to someone, what are they? Oh, they're, they're going to be great. You know, that means that, you know, you can go and use one of these machines right away and the be no queues and they're going so there will be queues no no it's going to eliminate queues no they just shut these in now everyone queues up for the machines so it's it's just you know the technology is helping us but I think there's the more people I speak to people talk about communication people talk about communities Mm -hmm. and people want to be part of this but they're not willing to step out and get involved in the communities as well. That's what I'm finding. They want it, but they're not willing to do it. Yeah, the, 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 the AI thing links to that. And AI and what it can do is not just a business issue. It's a societal issue. Mm. It's about, and, and if you look at perhaps um, going back to, to, to your points around uh, developing business, about small countries versus big countries and all the rest of it, what is interesting is that if you look at, for example, some UAE, some of those countries out there mm. that are advancing very quickly in tech, in AI, there are very powerful government initiatives to create a genuine partnership between business, government and civil society to deal with these issues and take... So they're setting an example, perhaps, for us. I think just uh, just before we move from AI, just one point I'd just like to really get across in terms of riding the waves. Again, from a branding point of view, one of the things that's happening at the moment is uh, Ireland has been positioned as being the AI island of Europe. And I think that's a very smart move by Ireland at this point in time. And there's a lot of research going on here. There's a lot of education, a lot of related stuff. And there's a lot of companies involved in the space. And if we can manage to grab that for Ireland as the AI island, it's fantastic. Look, it it helps. A lot of the stuff that I use with my business is AI. You know, it's, it's like having that minion 
that never takes a holiday and never goes sick and works for me 24 hours, seven days a week. And it, and it's, it, it helped. The AI helps my business. There's other parts of it. Okay. I'm, I'm when, when you get on and I jump online, and if I'm talking to someone, I first ask them, are you a robot or a human mm. being? And then I mm. wait for that response on it. So mm. there's, there's those different elements on it. We're going to just take a quick break folks. And we'll be right back. And welcome back to Business Eye. I did this Business Eye. It's a Business Eye. I break it, your it's, no, it's definitely Business Eye. It's business Eye. <laughs> the, um, so tell me, have you got my Christmas present? <laughs> You're my Christmas present. Am I? <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Before the break, we were just talking there, and we were talking about just um, artificial intelligence and all. Barry, will you just finish off on what you were talking about there about... Yeah, well, I think that you know we we we've seen sorts of all sorts of evolutions down through the last uh, number of years, and one one statistic that uh, really stands out, I think, is which is really interesting. That is that um, um, one third of all the MNCs in Ireland that have come in are still here over twenty years, and um, that's kind of uh, that's a, that's very uh, you know when you think about it here, there's over twenty years in Ireland, uh, one third of them. So they've seen different iterations and evolutions of what they've been doing here. And again, a bit like uh, IDA riding the waves. The corporates here are riding, riding the waves as well. And uh, Dell, so would, I, Dell would be one. I, I work for Dell and, you know, they've gone through massive upturns, downturns. They've completely reinvented themselves and yeah. it's amazing. And people sort of think of Dell as being a company that left Ireland. Never no, left Ireland. Never no, left Ireland. It's still 2,500 people very strong. in completely different businesses. Yeah, yeah exactly. it is. And they're just up in Cherrywood there as well. Yep. Chris, do you know is there any correlation between Ireland and England when doing business? Or Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, that I'm um, a programme director of the Future of Financial Services programme at the Irish Management Institute, which is to mm. help take forward a group of leaders to enable the implementation of Ireland for Finance uh, 2025. And th- then there's always that comparison as I'm talking to people here in terms of financial services versus the City of London. And there are definite comparisons that, that, that I make. And alluding to you know, the point about getting companies to come to Ireland and how you can respond effectively, I think the, the lesson that, that I have passed on to people is that because of the size of Ireland, because of the network community within Ireland, it allows... Ireland as a small country to be more agile, more responsive in relation to how it does what it does with its own organisations, how it attracts other organisations, whereas UK, because of its size, moves much more slowly. And we were talking about, okay, so if you want to advance the financial services sector in either Ireland or in UK... Fundamental question, how many people do you need to get into the room to talk to each other to make it happen Mm. in either Dublin or in the City of London? And as we were saying earlier... The City of London as against six people in Ireland. Well, uh, (laughs) not quite six, but, 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 you know, but London, you'd have to use the Albert Hall. But also there's the cultural difference in that the network community here is much more collegial. Whereas in London, in the financial services sector, they wouldn't want to go to the same meeting as each other anyway because the level of competitive um, attitude is so high. It, yeah. It's interesting because when I, when I worked in, uh, when I was in the software industry and I was working in the UK mm-hmm. and we were dealing within the automotive industry and the difference between the automotive di- industry here in Ireland Ford guy knew the Renault guy down the road yeah. and the Renault guy knew the Toyota guy. Yes. But when you were in the UK, the Ford guy didn't know the Toyota guy down the road mm. and didn't want to know the Renault. You know, th- there was yeah. all this competitive where they really stayed on their own. But I also, when, when I, you know, like I was working from the Isle of Wight to the Shetland Islands, basically was the territory that I was looking after. And everyone I met, everyone said, oh, my grandmother's Irish or my great grandfather. <laughs> so there, there, there is that con- connection yes. as well. I, on th- it. I think it also feeds up into the boardroom. So um, I, Brown Finance talk about something like there's 30,000 of the senior executives on boards in London or the U- or England are mm-hmm. Irish, right? Yeah. And, and very successful right? sure. very successful and and i think uh, you know and it's no coincidence that the brand of ireland is the second fastest growing in western europe so i think that collaborative collegiate 
um, soft influencing skill of of Irish executives mm-hmm. is it, 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 there's a virtuous circle which I don't think you see quite as easily in the UK. But to, with with Ireland as well, it's one degree of separation. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and that's where it is. Like if if someone wants to do business in Ireland, somebody will know someone, and that's where the networking yeah. is done. Yeah. And networking can be done if you're commuting up from Cork on the train. You'd be surprised the networking that you'd be doing on that train with other people yeah. who are coming up to Dublin. On yeah, and I think that the yeah, absolutely the network and the communication skills um, are tremendous in terms of where Ireland can be the bridge between the US and Europe. And we often see that with particularly the US multinationals Mm -hmm. that have come into Ireland over the years, Mm -hmm. that the Irish management tend to go up the ladder very fast and very successfully, even into corporate America. And that comes back, I think, an awful lot to this sort of a soft skill that they have. Soft influencing skills. Influencing communication skills. um, It is definitely soft and determination. Yeah. The flip side, Chris, have you noticed anything around the Irish corporate psyche that, that maybe could be improved or developed or as compared to the, 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 the London corporate psyche? I would say that it's, it's about the, the fundamentals of what is appropriate for that situation at that time. Uh, and as we, as we were discussing earlier... Because of the Irish sort of soft skills, um, wanting to build empathy and make sure that it becomes a trust-based relationship, then we're in a situation where the building of the relationship and the move towards doing a deal might be perceived as taking longer than it might do with an American or a couple of Americans who just say, right, this is the deal, this is the paperwork, are you going to sign it or not? Yeah, that's been my experience. There's this thing called the Irish no, which is, you know, let's keep talking, let's keep talking, which is great, whereas the Australian is no, mate, I'm not interested. Yes, I am, which seems brusque, but it's kind of easier to do business in somewhere like Australia from that perspective. It it is because I I believe that the Irish don't like making decisions um, and they don't like Mm. to probably offending in a way where if you are dealing with someone in, in the UK, uh, it was the price that was the price and it was the negotiation Mm -hmm. and it was done and it wasn't dragged on for a long period the Irish are changing of course on this but that was the old mentality that it was drag it on and drag it on where England was yes would you you have seen that Barry or have you seen it improve over 40 years I think it has changed a lot and uh, I think a good example of that is the tech companies that have come to Ireland I mean one of the um, fundamentals with the with, with these this new cadre of tech companies is speed to market which you all can relate to the whole notion of speed to market and speed to market requires decisiveness in terms of management uh, in the execution of it and we've had such tremendous success here with the the block of companies that we all know that are here now but they are predominantly managed by Irish managers who have got that skill set to be able to deliver and that uh, relates to the whole question of this speed aspect. So is that one of the main things you're seeing, is that is the improvement of decision-making, the speed of decision-making? Well, I think it's, it's, it's certainly a very important one. I think the other thing that's really important as well that we've seen an awful lot with the modern companies is, um, you know, the, we don't have any trade unionism anymore in the companies, and that's very important in terms of um, uh, where they have moved in terms of the style of management. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing wrong with trade unionism. They can have unions if they want to, don't have unions. That's their choice. But there isn't that demand there. And with the style of open type of um, management that's required for these modern type of companies, it's much more um, flexible, it's much more uh, decisive, it's much more communicative and networking on the hoof. It brings up a story with the printer that was going into the government <laughs> building and the couldn't get it in and I don't know if you heard yeah, the story sure, or not. Yeah. and then the union wanted um, the staff to be trained in on it and refused to use it so I'm, I am it does all for trade union but I, I think that it has to be a level of you know, competency as well. There, there does seem to be two islands. There seems to be this. We've had this on the another previous show. There seems to be the young, modern, thrusting, cool tech island, and then there seems to be, unfortunately, the bodies of the state island. That, that, that there are challenges there. Uh, Chris, uh, do you observe? Because yeah. something your audience at your program and IMI yes. are a mix of government and corporate. That must be interesting dynamics. Well, <laughs> certainly the not just Ireland, but I think you can say that. In most cases, the pace of change when you compare the commercial sector to the public sector is significantly different. 
the cultures and attitudes in terms of what is important for us to do and how do we measure it. Um, in, in terms of generality, there are many public sectors that I've worked with around the world where, from their perspective, what is important is that the process was executed, irrespective of whether the result was successful or not, whereas that doesn't apply in the commercial sector because it's about was it successful or not. So th there's a, I think there's a fundamental challenge, but, but my experience with the public sector in Ireland is that, that it, it's going through the same transitions that, that, that the public sector is in England, that everybody's recognising we need to make a change. But again, going back to, to your ability to adapt more quickly as a small country, I think there's potential there. You know, if you look at, again, back to UAE and some of the Gulf countries where, OK, they don't have quite the same democratic system, but what's happening there is the delivery of government services to the citizens, the, the leadership of the country has basically said, you as the government must respond as quickly to your citizens as a commercial organisation would. This is what we require from the public service, because that's the only way we can have, a, a, as you were saying, a community that is made up of business, society yeah. and the government. And I just really think that, that in that sense, small companies, Ireland, UAE, Latvia and others have an advantage because they can respond more quickly. I don't think it takes a huge quantum leap. I mentioned on the show as well, like if you, like I did, I arrived back from a foreign country. Imagine if you, when you arrived back in Ireland, a body like, you know, the Revenue Commissioners, the Inland Revenue, contacted you proactively and said, welcome to Ireland, you know, these are your... Your, these are your legal tax obligations, but these are the things we can help you with. Imagine if you lived in a state like that. And I, I don't think that would be that difficult for a small country to do that. No, but yeah, I, I've worked in local government in UK, and that, that was the fundamental challenge with part, a, a, a local council in UK. There was a group of people in the local council that said, we are long-serving local government officials. We know what people need, and we tell them what they need. Then there's the modern group that says... We, no, 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 they are our customers. We should ask them. Barry, yeah. you were grimacing when I said that. Well, or, yeah. Was it grimacing or smiling? <laughs> smiling. I think, yeah, and there's lots of empirical uh, statistics to support where Ireland resides in this whole space. From an education point of view, we are really well up there. We're in the top 10 in the world. Mm -hmm. And the IM, uh, IMD, they rate Ireland number one in the world when mm -hmm. it comes to flexibility and adaptability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of reflective of the education. Mm -hmm. And that's a really important uh, nugget that's in our arsenal mm -hmm. in terms of our productivity, because we're number one in productivity as well. But even if you look back to even the transition years, what we're going through within our schools, and they and when they started doing the transition year many years ago, they realised that the, the the kids that were doing them had better careers after school, and this now is it's it's nearly mandatory now that all the kids are doing it and all the things. So we are evolving, we are changing, and the, the go we. We have a smart government, you know, it, they are looking at going, OK, we are a, an island. We're, we're a rock on the end, on the side of Europe. That's what we are. We're four and a half million people. It's not a lot. But what we can achieve and what we are doing on the world, the world playground is, is amazing on it. So it's yeah. and 2020, I think it's even going to be better for ourselves as well. On it. But back, back to facilitating success. Um, uh, Chris, you mentioned that, that one of the things you work on is how you can create an environment where everybody cares. Right. Can you mm -hmm. expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. The organizations go out there and they say, right, to implement our strategy, one, we need to have high performance. Two, obviously, to change and develop, we need to have agile people who are innovating and we need to change and all of these things. Uh, but then they work on the basis that as long as they have a rational plan to achieve that, um, everybody below the boardroom is going to embrace that wholeheartedly and going to make it happen, which we all know from our own experience is not true. If people don't care about the outcome, they're not going to perform, they're not going to innovate, they're not going to change, they're just going to wait for this change initiative to be replaced by the next one and, and not bother. And what I found on my journey is that you need to make people care about the outcome. And there is only one way you can do that, and that is to make their boss show those people that their boss cares about them. The ripple effect. Mm. It's a f it, it is a 
hardwired neuroscience response. You made the comment, 250,000 years of human evolution. If somebody does something that we perceive to be threatening, our brain closes down and we will not be cooperative. If somebody does something we perceive as being positive, we will respond positively. It's a fact. But you can do that just by simple day-to-day actions. Asking people for ideas, supporting them, building trust, all of those simple things. Yeah, and, and, and also to encourage creativity and innovation yeah. and to positively encourage it. I think that's one of the places as well that Ireland has <coughs> differentiated itself over the years in that mm-hmm. um, if you compare us to Central Europe, say, where you had you know traditional command economies mm-hmm. in play, innovation was never really encouraged. In fact, you were penalized if you innovated because if your innovation didn't work out, you actually had to pay for it. Whereas uh, the modern thought process is innovate and uh, find new ideas. And if it doesn't work, kill it fast, but move on. I think one of the biggest issues with a lot of companies with what's happening with the environment and, you know, it's about purpose. And I was speaking to someone yesterday who works within a global organization and we were talking on the subject of purpose. And they said that the, uh, the organization was finding it difficult to switch what they were doing. So they were purpose was the main. They wanted purpose to be the main focus for the business, but they were finding it difficult to implement. And it was this is a very very large organization in the yeah. world, and, and they were kind of going, "Yeah, we want this, but it, this is going to cost yeah, us." But yeah, the challenge yeah. with that is, you see, yeah, it's, no. it's the imposition of strategic well, the purpose, purpose on it. from the top. Yeah. yeah, this is our purpose. It's artificial. You will use this purpose, and yeah. the people underneath are saying. What do you mean? No, it's your purpose, not our purpose. Yeah. 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 It's not bottom-up, yeah. encouraging it's people. A, it's the wheel. Yeah. But it's a mindset thing as well, I think, you know, in terms of your understanding of management and to, you know, you, a, move, a move from the old mission, vision and values yeah, yeah. into mission, vision, it's values it's and purpose. Yeah. purpose and yeah. that's, that's a step change, it is, but yeah. it's a necessary it one. Is it? Yeah. Chris, you're going to shoot off now. Yeah. Uh, Chris, if anyone wants to connect with yourself or any of your books, yep. um, give us your website details and uh, uh, where people can contact you. Yep, definitely. For ahead, give us some there. Okay, so uh, website is uh, www.chrisroebuck.live. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. So email chris at chrisroebuck.net. Chris, pleasure having you Thank on. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. And before we take a quick break, I have David Lane on the line there, and David's going to talk about, I believe, the 12 Days of Christmas. It's a charity organisation. David, are you there? I am here, indeed. Yeah, good morning. How are you doing? I'm very good, and happy Christmas to you, my friend. Happy Christmas. And many happy returns to you and to all your listeners. Thank you. So, David, tell me about this 12 days of um, the charity 12 days, please. Sure, yeah, no problem at all. So, I work for a company called Ecclesiastical Insurance, and so I run the business in Ireland. And Ecclesiastical is slightly different as an insurance company in that all of our distributable profits go into a trust and then the trust redistributes them back into the communities where we operate. So we're a specialist insurance company in terms of our day-to-day um, operations. So we specialize in the areas of faith, education, heritage and charity. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing this year is that we've relaunched a thing called Movement for Good earlier on in the year where we gave it across the UK and Ireland and we gave a million pounds to charity. So the first part of that was that 500 charities got a thousand pounds or the euro, euro equivalent um, purely by people nominating them. They had to go onto a website, put the charity name in, put the charity registration number in, and charities were selected um, at random um, from that. And then the second part of that was that we did 10 charities got 50,000. So there was an application form that they had to fill out a bit of a process that they had to go through. So kind of aligned to that, um, over the last few years, we've been running what we call the 12 Days of Giving um, around Christmas. So it actually started yesterday on the, the, the 5th of December. And basically what we do is, people, all people have to do is to go onto a website, and the easiest way to do it, you can do it through the Ecclesiastical website, but probably the easiest, easiest way for people to do it is to Google Movement for Good, and, and that will take you in through to, 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 the, um, to the website. So basically all people have to do is put in the charity name, put in the charity registration number, and then the charity gets gets registered. And then every day for 12 days, we will pick out 10 charities 
and he's a charity as well get a thousand pounds each that's absolutely amazing. Well done on that. That's um, it's interesting because that's really kind of given purpose um, to what you are doing as well. So I commend you on that. Well done. Well done on no it. No problem. We're, we're, we're delighted to do it. And I think to me, you know, what's important about it is is that the public get to choose, you know, what charities kind of go into the draw. Um, and while it's across the UK and Ireland, you know, last year there was there was about twenty um, Irish charities that benefited from it. Um, and then and the, the movement for good can very run in the years there's actually more more Irish charities that benefited. Um so I'd say in total, um this year we've probably given through through the two events, um we'll probably give somewhere between seventy five and hundred thousand um to charities in Ireland. Um, so it's great to be able to do that. And um a thousand pounds or a thousand euros goes a long way to a charity. Um it does indeed. whether it's a big, big big charity or a small charity. So we're we're, we're more than happy to be able to um, support it and, uh, and to help people at this time of the year. Brilliant. Purpose, profit and prosperity comes to mind. That's what it's about, isn't it? That's what That's it is. That's a great way to describe it. A yeah. great way to describe yeah. it. No, not. Tell me, tell me this, just uh, let people know again, where can they give us the details on that for the website or what they need to do so we'll jog their memory just one more time. Sure, yeah. So there's two ways that you can do it. There are two ways of getting in. One is to go on to the Ecclesiastical website, which is ecclesiastical.com. Um, and probably the easier way for people to do it is a Google movement for good, and then you go in and that will take you into the 12 days of giving. So the, the only thing that people need to do then is put in the charity name, and they need to have the charity registration number, which, whatever your chosen charity is, if, if, if you go onto their website, the, the, um, the charity registration Brilliant. number will be there. Brilliant. And um, it's as simple as that. And we, what we'll do is we'll get your website up on our social media platforms as well, so people can know about it as well. Excellent. So that, that's the third way then for people through through through, your, through yourselves, which would be great. So we, we appreciate that. Brilliant. And thank you for coming on. And look, I hope uh, the best charities are the ones that need it the most um, uh, avail of this uh, 12 giving days of Christmas. Thank you. Thank you very great much. Stuff. Thanks, my name. Take care. Take care. Bye. Welcome back. So, Barry, we have you cornered all by yourself for the next 10, 15 minutes. Oh. <laughs> Chris has had to head off to IMI. Um, so we, we, we were talking during the break about your standout observations from this year and in terms of, you know, the sort of areas that you're seeing business heading and, and your experience you just had over in the States as well. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's, I suppose from a, one of the things I've been doing since I left IDA is I've been doing some director work. So I'm close to the property space for that reason because I'm a director of a PLC that did an IPO last year called Ugrove Reach, and they're in the commercial property space, a small company in that space. But because of that, I kind of am close to and obviously very interested in what's happening in the property scene. And I think that's one of the standouts for me in terms of what has been happening in the last year in terms of the investment that a lot of the tech companies is making or are making in the t- in the property space in Ireland, and you can see that uh, with uh, let's say Google down Boland's Mill or Facebook now down Ballsbridge, where they've got a very big facility under construction. Mm. A couple of days ago, Amazon announced that they were going to go into Charlemont Square right, yeah. with a major investment. Salesforce are going to go in along the river. With again with a major investment, and you know, there's LinkedIn, the same story, and then just right beside us here, it's not long since uh, Microsoft opened up their new campus. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of big investment. The, the, the work that's gone on up in Cherrywood as yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's it's, a huge amount. Yeah. It's fascinating, so this really. So all employee management based it's, it's, property. It's, yeah, it is, and it's, it's it's well, it's the tech companies investing themselves, putting yeah. putting their money on the table and buying property and building out tremendous facilities. Yeah which are going to be their new is, homes is and are a, their new homes. Is it a good thing that they're buying property? I yeah, think yeah. it's good. It's, it's, I think it is, yeah. Because like, one of the things that would have been said over the years about the, property, about the tech companies is, okay, they're here and how long will it last kind of thing. And, uh, you know, what's the stickiness? Well, this really adds to the stickiness, yeah, I think. It's a good question. I was going to ask the same. Because yeah, you hear a lot on the radio about the you know, people are saying, oh, this is not right and it's short-termism and stuff. But... But, yeah. The reason I mentioned it, there was a statement from came out that the, uh, one of the American um, candidates for 2020, and they said, "How come we're selling our land to foreign countries? How can we be a country if we're doing that?" 
Yeah. Well, the, the American <laughs> candidates are coming out with some know, crazy stuff but, at the but, moment. But, but I'm twatting, yeah. but I kind of went, mm, mm, let me just ponder on that. Yeah. So I was in the States last week, and uh, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I'm never but um, shocked by some of the advertising, obviously, that's going on. And last week with, with, with Thanksgiving and Black Friday and all the rest, there was a plethora of new advertising campaigns out from Michael Bloomberg, for instance, who has put 25 he's million gone, on the table. Isn't he? He's actually come in from behind. 25 yeah, million yeah. he's spending on advertising. And yesterday, there was you might have seen it on social media, there was some new advertisement out from Joe Biden. And it's it's vicious stuff. If you think uh, elections here are uh, vitriolic, did, yeah. over there it's it's yeah. unreal what they're no, saying about one another. It's not did, nice. They read in the paper actually that he was going to put sanctions on Ireland. Did you read that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's all this. this there is. Yeah. Well, back to the property side. I mean, it's, mm. you know, you do hear a lot of begrudgery, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, about you know the multinationals investing. But but turn it on its head. Imagine if. They didn't invest. Well, exactly. But, but here, here's the thing as well. People also forget that Guinness has supplied housing for its staff. Yeah. And the railway companies mm. supplied housing yeah. for the staff. And why did they supply those housing? Because even then people couldn't afford them. Yeah. And the same in the yeah. UK with Bourneville and Cadbury and Sunlight. You yeah. Know, there were major programmes back in the 19th so century. So are they the new... Are they it's the, the same version. Are, are the multinationals then the job for life do you know get the job with the bank or get the job with the civil service are they now going to be get the job with the multinational if, if mm. once they don't leave <laughs> yeah well I suppose they're reinventing themselves as well which is good to see and you know Chris there earlier was talking about artificial intelligence and whatever but all of those companies all those tech companies now are, are deploying AI and they're moving on to new generation of their products and new iterations of their technology and we are going to see the benefits of that here in Ireland but the, the, the other side of it, they are getting more bigger than government. Like if you look at LinkedIn, LinkedIn has all the data of all the business people all over the world. And they can actually identify if a recession is coming down the line before probably a government because people aren't hiring, people are communicating. or So there's all these different things that these are going. Mm. Facebook... Zuckerberg is making a big mistake when when he says, "Oh, I, I think I'll create something like a cryptocurrency to cover American government." I go, "Yeah, yeah, mm. we've taken down governments for who've <laughs> talked like yeah, that yeah, on yeah, it." Yeah. So I think that Ireland as itself is it's hopping, as we say. Mm. It's 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 gone beyond what the Celtic Tiger has been. It's, it's full employment. You know, does that? buzz around people are happy okay we all have the downside but I, you know I, I get a feeling the next five years are going to see some massive massive changes within Ireland and we're going to need more and more people so Barry, what, what do you feel that we are doing to try and get more people in if they do, and we don't have the housing for them as well yeah, I think that, uh, and that leads you in nicely as well into the whole question of DNI diversity and inclusiveness. Because um, you're definitely, I think, if if, you, if you're going to have this uh, continuation of uh, reduction in the unemployment rates at the moment, it's running at about 4.8 percent or thereabout. If that's going to continue downwards, we're going to have to have as many other sort of uh, sources of people into the labour force. So bringing. Uh, uh, as many police people into the force from the point of view of inclusiveness is going yeah, to be really important yeah, in that important. regard. Uh, and uh, so the more participation rates that we have. But there's lots of people out there that can participate in different uh, pieces of the DNI agenda. And then there's the strain on the transport yeah, and yeah. so it's yeah it's it's one big moving yeah what was it uh, our Taoiseach was was he was quoted as one of the top influencers in mm. within Europe as well. Mm. That's, yeah, so just st stepping back to 2000, Barry, you know, I mentioned the book, uh, the Silicon Docs book that you gave me, and I read it a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, and you quoted at the end. I mean, how would you have seen things develop since 2000? Uh, from yeah. a, in all respects, it's, good it's, and bad. Yeah, because like you know, it brings a, a reality check in many respects to things. Because if you if you unwind the clock back to then, and it's not that long ago, it's only nine, ten years ago. It was a sad. It was a sad story we had then. Uh, unemployment rates were, if you recall, running at fifteen and a half percent. We had just come out of the crash. 
2008-9 period. It was serious. And uh, at that time, I remember with some of my colleagues in IDA walking down the docks and we'd just taken over this agenda and challenge at the time to get a lot more of these early stage companies into Ireland, where we had none at that time. Walking down the docks, then it was a very black, dour place. Yeah. And if you just use the example, you know, of the Marker Hotel today that's buzzing down there and the Board Gash Theatre, neither of those were there then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all you had was just barely uh, Google and uh, a little bit of Facebook, very mm. small pieces of it. But now it's absolutely hopping. Mm. So it was, um, I think, one of the things that changed during that period was, and this is where the Silicon Docks came into it was that whether you like it or not, the Silicon Docks piece was an important piece of branding that Definitely. worked for Ireland. Definitely, so you yeah. had a lot of reference selling yeah. and you had the good names of uh, Facebook and Google and Twitter and Amazon. Yeah. All these ones were great reference sales. Yeah, yeah. So on the back of that then, we were Social able to get proof, in. Wasn't it really? Yeah, we were able to get in the other next, the next wave then of Indeed and yeah. Qualtrics and yeah. some of these companies now are employing over a thousand people was, each. Was there a tipping point in your experience of that point when you thought things are definitely moving away from the dark days to the this is really something's happened was it google was there was there one particular point google was important but i think that um, you know it was amazing the the publicity that facebook got when it sort of started oh. moving mm-hmm. and like facebook now is up in the thousands but back then like it was less than 100 and then it became yeah. 200 and 300 okay. and people started to sit up and say what's happening here i remember and, reading uh, papers and it was google hiring another 100 people and there was yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know the announcements you know that, and though when it was any company that was announcing 2030 the, the, the newspapers and the, yeah. t- the radio were, were popping it yeah out. and it became it became a great calling card like to have them yeah. to, to have them one after another yeah. and I won't say the job was easy but it made it easier certainly yeah. in terms of out knocking on doors in California or wherever mm-hmm. once you were able to um, reference names that were well known and uh, companies that were out there well, what's yeah. your thoughts on if you look at over the last maybe 50 years we've had a 10 year cycle of peak and then there's you know a, a, a 10 year cycle of down and then a 10 of peak and I remember the 80s and then I remember the 90s and, and then in the 2000s do you think it is a 10 year cycle or have we broke past that and we are now on, on a trajectory to to have a 20, 20 year ex, um, expansion well you'd be foolish to say that there isn't going yeah. to be a downturn uh, globally yeah. but um, certainly from the indicators of the Irish economy it's it's hugely positive and uh, we're still leading the pack in Europe in terms of GDP growth rates mm-hmm. and things like that so we're, we're out there I think one of the things that happened uh, during the last down, big downturn was that there was a tremendous resilience built into the Irish economy. So, in fact, the uh, all the overseas companies that were here uh, were a huge contributor to the bounce back that we had. And that resilience, I think, is still there. Like, it's in the mid-60s in terms of the exports that's coming from the overseas companies. And, uh, they, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them are innovating and reinventing themselves. So that's mm. good. Yeah. And hopefully, if there is a downturn, we're well positioned with the sectors we're in. Mm. Barry, where can people, if they want to reach out to you on LinkedIn or do you have a website if people want to connect? And Yeah, no, I, I, I'm very active on social media, um, even though uh, it defies my age. <laughs> I was probably one of the first people to adopt and to adapt to it in, in, in the IDA sense. So I'm very active on Twitter and LinkedIn, so I'm easily found. And where can they find it? What's, uh, is there a web address or anything? No, or I just follow Barry O'Dowd. Just and, Barry O'Dowd. Uh, and it's it. as good as that. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Thanks Barry. For coming on. Simon, what's the plans for the week? Uh, I'm in London again next week. Oh, yeah. A couple of days with Brand Finance. Uh, and then uh, following week, I'm doing a training program with an aviation company, and then it's Christmas. Then it's Christmas, <laughs> yes. I've I've just... Uh, next week is sort of just a walk in the park for me. That's yeah, good. I've, uh, you I've, deserve it. You've had I a busy do, year. A, a nice walk in the park. A great year, and 2020 is going to be... It's even Fantastic, lining up yeah. now. Um, someone actually mentioned to me about NASA actually doing a talk over there next year, so... Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, make sure, and I really recommend it to anybody. I was there last week visiting uh, Cape Canaveral. and um, I'd love to go. It's so impressive. Mind-boggling. Folks, we're going to have to go, and thank you for listening to Business Eye again, and we will catch you next Friday. Have a safe and super week. Take care. (laughs) 
What's next to 